Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. A special thank you to our sponsor, Equithrive. This one goes out to all the horses with the crusty necks, fleshy backs, and girthy middles. The horses who gain a few extra pounds simply by breathing air. The easy keepers on limited pastures. The folks at Equithrive know there is nothing easy about easy keepers. That's why they have formulated products just for you. Equithrive's Metabarol is a pelleted supplement that is scientifically proven to support healthy metabolic function and a healthy inflammatory response in horses. It's bona fide joint and metabolic support, all in one easy to feed pellet. Visit equithrive.com today and use the promo code HUMBLEHOOF to get 20% off your first order plus free shipping. www.equithrive.com. I first heard about Josh Dolan and the Peeps Foundation in 2019 from Curtis Burns when he was giving a seminar on dwarf minis and the special extensions and corrective glue-on chewing work you can do to help these minis thrive. While some might think dwarf minis are quote-unquote cute, what many don't realize is that they suffer from really horrible genetic issues due to this deformity. They often have severe leg issues that cause angular limb deformities and all kinds of issues that can affect the way they move and walk. And that doesn't even take into account all the ways that they have other body issues, whether it be with their mouth or their head or their organs. Because they struggle so much with these deformities, often they do need some kind of corrective work to be comfortable. Josh and the Peeps Foundation have made it a point to rescue these dwarves and rehabilitate them so they can live comfortable, happy lives. I reached out to Josh to see if he would talk to me about these minis because there's just not too many people around the country that know enough about them to teach and educate on how to get these little guys comfortable. Yeah. So first, I would love to know how you became interested in dwarves and, and how that all started. So it all kind of started at the same time when I did my first rescue, which was kind of accidental. I was showing, I I do like competition show horses, like hunter jumpers. And I was living in Lexington, Kentucky this summer, which I think is going on 10 years ago. And my brothers were in town and my, I do not come from like an animal family at all. Like one of my brothers has a dog and that's about it. (laughs) So they were in town and we were having lunch at this, uh, kind of restaurant near the horse show. And I was like, Oh, there's this, you know, miniature horse farm that I had passed on my way to the horse show. I really want to stop in. So I was with them and I pulled in and, um, I actually saw peeps that was in the front yard with like her mom and her mom was like, emaciated and I had had some minis before so I knew that Peeps was a dwarf and I could see the guy had more miniature horses like kind of in his backyard so we drove down the neighbor's driveway and it was just a horrible situation there was like I don't know I think three dead that had starved to death and I don't know 30 more that were on the way to it there was a foal that was trying to nurse off of like my riding boots that I had on and it was so sad. And 
you know, we called animal control and the police and honestly, nothing really was done about it. And I came back the next day and that little fold that was trying to nurse off of me was dead in the barn. And I just like lost my mind. I was like, I'm not gonna, you know, sit here and do nothing. So my plan actually was to cut the guy's fence down and let the minis out. And then animal control has to get involved if the animals are loose. Right. Right. But I had left the guy a note and even though I didn't think anybody was living there and he called me that night and then I went and bought 20, I don't know, 22 or 23 minis from him the next day, peeps being one of them with her mom. And then in total, I bought over 40 from the guy. Wow. And um, in that group though, you know, like right away, a lot of my friends were like, Oh my gosh, we'll help. We'll take some. So a lot of people like, you know, from the start adopted a few and in like the show world, you know, we don't really like our horses like running and going crazy in the pasture. So it's, it's hard if you have one that's a little bit difficult to turn out. And a lot of times like the bigger minis make great turnout companions for them. It keeps our show horses calmer. So I think the need for that right away um, was really big in the, in like my world. So that's why we had such kind of like a big outreach. And then, you know, it just all kind of happened. And then Pete's being a dwarf, there's a magazine called the Chronicle of the horse and they did like a little story on her. And that's really kind of where it started. I got, you know, a few emails from people that either had dwarves and had questions. And at the time, like I had no idea really the issues that came along with them. And then the next year I got my first dwarf that had like major leg issues. And then I started down this road that, you know, so many people who have dwarves are on, you know, trying to find the professional people, you know, in this world that can help you. And it's a very limited group of people who have the knowledge to do major corrections, you know, to their legs and their feet. And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. And I mean, my first experience with dwarves was I was sitting in a seminar with Curtis Burns and he did like a whole presentation on them. And then right after that, literally like a few months after that, I met Tony Haddad, who has lifting spirits, yeah. uh, miniature yeah. therapy horses. And so I didn't really know much about them until then. But for like the people who are listening who might have no idea what we're talking about, can you just say like what a dwarf mini, like how you categorize it and what issues they, some of the issues they might suffer from? Sure thing. So uh, a dwarf mini comes from regular miniature horse parents and each of their parents has to carry the dwarf gene. Not every mini carries it. So I think a, a, a very large misunderstanding of these animals are that that happens when you're trying to breed mini smaller and smaller and smaller. And actually some of the biggest mini mares that have come to me with their foals are dwarf foals. So it's really not it's not pertaining to the size of the mini. It's just pertaining to the genetics. Now, if you have one mini, like a mare who carries the dwarf gene, one of the dwarf genes, and you breed her to a sign that does not carry the dwarf gene, she will just pass the gene on to the next foal, but she can't, that foal cannot be a dwarf. Now, even if you have two parents that carry a copy of one of the genes, you still only have a 25% chance of producing that dwarf. So, it's not as common as you think when you're in the dwarf world and connected for whatever reason, you do see them quite often. But as like an outsider, if you were like, Oh, I want a dwarf, it's actually quite difficult to find them. So that's kind of like where they come from. Falabalas, the other like tiny, tiny breed, they don't carry the gene at all. It's completely separate 
breed. Um, and actually some regular sized horses can carry dwarf genes. They don't obviously look like the dwarf minis we know, but Frisians can carry the dwarf gene. Um, I believe Morgans carry the dwarf gene. There's a few other breeds that can produce them. And then some of the issues, the major issues that come along with with dwarves are tendon issues. Most of the time what we see is slack tendon issues. You know, they're born and they have no elasticity in their ligaments. So when they stand up, their legs, you know, go every which direction. And then just without any help, you know, I mean, it just gets worse. And then, you know, the joints start to fuse that way and everything starts to, you know, go downhill. And then the other major issue is dental issues. They have, you know, all the teeth crammed into a undershot, very small mouth. And you need to have a experienced dentist who knows how to work on dwarves. Otherwise, it's just, you know, and they're all different too. There's no handbook, you know, I mean, every one of them is so vastly different that you have to have somebody who's really willing to look at each case individually instead of basing it off of maybe one they've had, you know, a year ago. Right. Yeah. And with you seeing so many, like you've rehabbed so many different kinds of like hoof and leg issues. Obviously this is more of like a hoof care podcast. So can you maybe give an example of a dwarf that you worked on where you had to do some corrective work and what you did? Yeah. Um, actually Curtis Burns is who really pioneered it with me. I had, well, I can't remember actually his name. I think it was Toasty that we were using a different kind of, there was a, there was a different uh, company and she still exists and she's an amazing person, amazing human. She really was kind of what the, what we are now for the doors, what kind of she started, but she would cut out aluminum plates. And so we had ordered that and it just, it wasn't going well. And then I met Curtis through my friend, Lauren Tisbo, and then Curtis kind of came out and, you know, kind of tweaked around, did a couple prototypes and, and about six or seven months kind of came out with this polyflex shoe. And actually like the presentation that um, Curtis did were majority of the, the minis that I have used his products on. So he was hugely fundamental and he's a absolute genius, you know? Um, but as far as like kind of the stuff that I work with, we're kind of specially known now to be able to do like major leg corrections later in life, you know, folds and stuff are very simple fix. You know, you can manipulate, manipulate pretty much anything with those legs because they have so much mobility in them. You know, you just trim the foot pretty much as short as possible, take the heels down and then you position the polyflex shoes, how you need them to support the leg. What we do now that is, I think the most sought after is we're able to, kind of do a complete leg and foot correction by, you know, trimming the foot down for starters completely as short as possible. Then what we'll do is we build a false wall made of glue, whatever way they've rotated towards on, you know, let's say they rotated laterally, then we'll build the false wall on the medial wall. And then we'll attach the shoe to the new wall that we've built and then the other side of the shoe to its regular wall. And what we'll do is over about a year's time, we gradually take down the wall we're building so it becomes less and less. And we're pulling that joint capsule to straight by holding it in place because you can rupture them fairly easily. And at the same time, we're retraining the growth of the foot completely from the corner band. And we do that all by, you know, balance of how it's shod. So 
kind of for an example, if you look at, uh, we lay everything down, you know, and you're always after 90 degrees when they're on their side with their foot. So you have to imagine kind of what it's like when they're loaded. We float whatever wall we're not putting the, like the false wall we've attached, we float the other side. And so what that does is it starts to create equal pressure on the cornet band. And then each shoeing cycle, you'll see a new band from the, from the cornet band that's completely straight. And it takes about a year to get it, I would say, 95%. And then another couple months just to kind of tweak it. Wow. And so do you have any issues with like their joints and trying to get their, get them moving more straight? Does that affect their like ligaments and joints up the limb? Or are they pretty flexible when you're doing it that slowly? You know, in the, in the dwarf world, it's super uncommon to even like, let's say you have one that's not dealing with major issues with fixing. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a dwarf that doesn't have arthritis. And I mean, like by the time they're two or three years old, yeah. you know, they're just prone to it. So you're always I mean, if you look at half their knees, you know, they're three times the normal size. So it's definitely always something that you're dealing with. You know, their size and weight plays a huge factor into what we could do. You know, we couldn't do what we do with a 19-hand horse or an 18-hand horse. You know, it would be impossible. Um, so their size has a lot to do with it and also why they can, you know, move so quickly. For the process to work, they have to move. So what also, is, again, is unique what we do is we have, I don't know, 50-something dwarves. And we have them all kind of in sections by like how able-bodied they are. So normally when we have a new one come in, we kind of try to like buddy it up with one that is kind of of their equal. And then like after the process, you know, we medicate them and then we turn them loose on our farm. So their, their friend leaves and they don't want to be without their friend. So it kind of forces the movement on their own will. And that's kind of like how we, we do it. Why, you know, of course, medicating them to make sure they're comfortable. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it's true. I think about like the miniature horses I work on, not necessarily dwarves, but I feel like I'm able to do a lot more with them because they're like lighter on their feet. I don't know. Like kind of what you said, like their size is an advantage in that way. So that's really Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, A special thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Cavallo. For our humble hoof listeners, they are offering 20% off their Cavallo Trek hoof boots using the coupon code HRN at checkout. The Trek is the world's most popular and versatile hoof boot and Cavallo's toughest trail boot, while also doubling as an option for therapy or rehab. The front closure system makes it easily adaptable to various hoof shapes, and the TPU upper design allows for maximum strength while minimizing weight for the comfort and ease of movement for your horse. These are recommended by vets and trainers and also loved as transport boots by barrel racers, ship jumpers, dressage riders, and everyone in between. Again, for 20% off a pair of treks, use the code HRN at checkout at cavallo-inc.com. And then, so I one thing that I thought was interesting when I've worked with Tony is her mentioning that, you know, there's not really instances of laminitis in dwarves. Is that true? It's true. Yeah. Everybody. Okay. I should say that's true in all the types of dwarf at one. So there's this one type of dwarf that carries a gene that only affects forearm development and cartilage development. So like they kind of look like dachshunds or hot dogs, you know, they have like their hawk joint, like their hawk is literally like minute, you know, and then the same with their forearm in the front. Those types of dwarfs, 
do metabolize sugar like a regular horse. So you have to be more careful with them. But the other miniature dwarves do not. They metabolize sugar completely different. And their diets are completely different. And so many of the ones that come to us are so skinny because vets that don't have experience with these dwarves think that this distended belly is a weight issue. And they have no idea that one of the genetic coding that they carry is developing their organs to a regular size of a miniature horse, you know, and they have no chest cavity, this tiny little back. I mean, they only have one place for these organs to grow to and it's downward. So, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people get misinformation from their veterinarian by them just simply looking at the, at the mini. But um, if you do any research, there's never been a case of a dwarf foundering before. Wow. That's so yeah. interesting because obviously like with minis, it's programmed in my brain to be super careful, totally. you know? Totally. Yep. So yeah, I guess that's like, you know, another thing, they already struggle with so many things. It's nice that they won't have to struggle with grass because you're already exactly. chasing after so many other health exactly. issues. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. when you're, you know, rehabbing these, these dwarves and getting them back into a place where they're moving co- more comfortably and their legs are a little bit healthier, straighter, are they, do they have to be in these like corrective packages permanently or do you have ones that graduate out of them, some that stay in them? Like, how does that work? It kind of exactly what you said. It really just depends. If we have, like, if you come to my farm, we, we have one, we call it the red barn. That's like the most normal, able-bodied ones we have. Like Peeps herself lives there. And I believe there's probably about 15 that live in that group. There's two that have extensions made out of glue. Everybody else is normal. And several have gone through the process. You know, I, I don't know. There's not enough genetic research on dwarves to really pinpoint what it is. But I do believe, because I see so many, that certain types of the, the of these genes are kind of like more prone to long-term issues as far as like what we're working with with the ligaments. I You have some that come and it's like literally they wear shoes for one chewing and then their feet are amazing. And then you have some that come and it's like, you know, they still have shoes on in, in, in two years, you know, and we take them off and then they start to rotate and we put them back on. So there's really not a lot of material available to say why it happens, but it's just case specific. And that's, again, what's so hard is like, you know, we are obviously fairly popular foundation in what we do. So the outreach to us is, is really great. You know, I mean, we have probably between five and 10 messages a week, I would say from vets barriers around the world. You know, I mean, we have them fly to us. There was a vet flew to us from Brazil last week to figure it out. And we have people coming all the time. We are actually flying to Colombia, South America to do a seminar on corrective work. Um, but it's hard because it's case specific, you know, so you can't ever, I can't tell somebody you need to do this, this, and this, and this is the result you're going to get because you just never really know. Like I had this one named Ferguson that I've had for, I guess about six months now. And he came to me extremely young and normally like I always say the younger or the lamer they are, the more we can fix the, you know, quickly. Um, and he was horrible. I mean, he, for his age, he was one of the worst ones we've seen and one of the slowest kind of progressions. And I would never have thought he would be out of shoes or extensions as fast, but now he only has one extension, which is extremely unusual. So it's hard to like really say, but I have probably 25 that have 
extensions, which is, you know, I lay them down and use foam board to kind of form my extension because it's a little bit easier because I just kind of, you know, whatever way that foot is lacking in balance or, or width, I make up for it um, just to give more support. Uh, and I have somewhere in the 20s, you know, of, of number wise, how many that have that. And then I only have two that are in shoes. But both of the ones in shoes have been in shoes for almost two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so then I had a quick question. It's a little bit of a tangent, but you mentioned how you fly out for some specialty cases. How often do you have to see these? I was assuming that like these corrections would need to be done every few weeks. Yeah. It, you know, so that that's actually a really good question. So what I normally do, and let's say this is more of an extreme case, the Really big changes we're doing, especially in the little older horses, I really think they need to be done about every three weeks. Then when they get to a certain point, and I can't say, okay, it's, you know, month three or month four, they kind of tell me. But then I actually make them go about eight to nine weeks. And then we can make a really big kind of radical, radical change. And what the reason for that is, is, you know, we're fixing a few major things at first. And then once we have kind of everything in line and how we want it, then we let the foot grow out. And then we're putting more stress and pressure on that ligament. And what happens when you're doing that, though, is you're stretching it to a point where you really need it to go to. And then when you take everything off the foot and then redo the shoeing, everything is going to work better because it's it's been pulled the direction you need it to go. And then now you've given it the support and the link that it needs. And it's unbelievable the result that you can achieve by doing that. I mean, the unbelievable. Um, I kind of always tell people, okay, not that I wear high heels, but the idea would be like, you know, if you walk in heels versus walking in flats, you know, it's yeah. a huge, the, the strength that you need in your foot, you know, we're kind of bringing them to a point where they're like on the heels, like on high heels. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're on flats and you can, you know, create, a, a huge difference when you do that process. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And so I know that, you know, you're talking about people reaching out to you to learn about this. You know, are there resources that owners or vets or farriers can go to to learn more about this uh, in terms of like how to work with dwarves if they, they meet one that they're struggling with? We're, we're trying to produce that actually, you know, we've been talking about it for a long time. Like right now I, I have like folders on my phone where what I do is I ask people, okay, send me a video, send me a picture. And then, I mean, there's not a dwarf that someone's going to send me that I have not had a case that's just like it. You know, we've done hundreds and hundreds. So there's only so many directions four, four legs can go, you know? So now I just kind of send pictures and videos and say, okay, this is what you need to do. This is the process that I did, you know, so on and so on. What we're trying to do though is produce more video, like comprehensive videos for people to be able to go to. So like whether it's a YouTube channel or on our website and be able to reference that, like, okay, you have the hind fetlock correction. Like, let's say we'll use that, that have rotated uh, laterally. That's to me the hardest correction to fix. It's the most painful for them to go through. So that's a very specific one. So let's say we, we get a call from somebody and that's what they're dealing with. I'd like to be able to send them a link and say, okay, here's all the steps you need. This is what yours looks like right now. This is what you're, you want the foot like to look like after you've trimmed it. This is what you want that 
hoofwall extension to look like because you have to build that to mirror image the attachment to the other wall and that's where it gets complicated because the pressure has to be equal on all sides of the foot for this to work and the good thing though about the minis is the feet are small right so you're dealing with less variables than you are with the big horse because your surface area is smaller so you don't really have as many deviations from uh kind of like what i'm trying to get across to these people so the idea would be though to have some kind of material visual material to be able to send to people to show all the steps along the way the problem is for sure like the time it, it it's complicated do i'm like the worst person that's ever lived with technology like i do not update my phone because i cannot figure out how to work it after so i am like the worst person to try to produce that you know i fly a few places to do some really specialty cases and one of these places they've kind of videotaped the process of one of the dwarves i've done and it has a fantastic outcome we haven't put that together yet but definitely the idea would be to do some video footage put together more comprehensive step-by-step program for people and then ultimately for sure i would love to figure out how to do some kind of you know clinic by region or state or something just so people maybe can come with their dwarf and their farrier to kind of like you know learn a little bit more of the the ins and outs because we deal with a lot of second hand issues too like a lot of people that have the means reach out to you know major podiatrists in their area and it just doesn't go well, you know, like you, I have not seen one that's come to me from somebody really good for regular horses that has, I guess, been able to apply, you know, our method. And there, I, I don't know what, where that line lies, like how we help that, or maybe that's just not our line we're going to cross. But the idea would be, you know, to figure out a way to kind of bring people together in like a learning idea like tony and i've talked about it you know a few times and you know life just gets in the way and then all of a sudden a year has gone by and it's hard to plan yeah i mean i would i would love to host you up here i'm in massachusetts obviously you know that because tony's up here um yeah and i think there's a there's a need and there's a want for more continuing education for things like this where there's these specialty cases that people just don't get to see that often and there's something that we just don't know exactly what to do with you know right and it's so like I just love hearing about this stuff and I'm such a visual learner that I think something like a clinic would be amazing because I'm somebody who can like hear things a million times but still need to see it to like really get exactly how it's the same way it's working but um yeah is there a way that people can reach out to you or maybe a space that you might post when you like if you do some clinics where that would be found Well, I would love to talk to you about that. You know, if we ever wanted to try to put something together, I'd be super open to it because it would be really needed because right now, like a lot of times when I do fly places to do these cases, I really try, I mean, depending how severe they are, if they're really severe, I try to do them two or three times myself. And then I try to bring their farrier in to where I feel like it's kind of at a place where somebody can take over, where it's not so case specific. So the idea is always kind of do that when I'm traveling so I can get it to the point where I don't, you know, have to do it because I honestly can't, I'm just too busy. But as far as reaching out, I'm the world's worst communicator. So <laughs> that's, that's up to everybody who ever try to get involved. 
like everyone thinks they're annoying me, but just don't stop texting or calling me because eventually I will respond. But I always tell everybody I'm like a goldfish, like one loop around the bowl and I've forgotten everything in my life. <laughs> Cause it's true though. Like I I'm like riding horses, right? So like I get off my last horse or whatever, let's say it's 11 AM and I look at my phone and I have a text message. Well, I open that text message and I go to another one and then I totally forgot about the one before it. So I always like apologize to people in advance for trying to deal with me but on the peeps website they have an email address it's just peepsfoundation at gmail.com so that goes directly to my phone our instagram um the peeps foundation is also a really good way and that's probably our most posted you know stories and and pictures and processes you know i'm not as good about it as i used to be and i'm trying to get a little bit better because we have a few more people that have gotten involved so as far as like videoing and stuff because a lot of that content people really love so we're going to try to be a bit better than that. I'm also going to try to do some like Facebook lives. Like actually, I have a new one that I just got from like a, the Bowie Texas Kill Lot just like a month ago and he's just getting out of quarantine and he is horrific. I think I saw I think I saw him yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We posted him and he, he just got here. I mean, his feet are so bad. So anyway, I'm going to start his uh, process, I hope, this weekend. So I'll try to do like a, a Facebook Live video when I do it. And then I'm also going to video that whole process so people can really like kind of understand and see it, see that journey. And then Facebook too, the Peace Foundation on Facebook. I get all those messages to my phone. That's probably, I would say, the best ways to kind of go as far as direct communication. And then, like I said, if you and I want to ever maybe talk about trying to get some clinics together, that would be amazing, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure that, you know, Tony would be more than happy to bring her guys up yes. and, and they'd be yeah. awesome examples because I know at least two of them have um, either extensions yep. or cuffs on. So it would be really exactly. cool. Totally. Awesome. Well, I think these are the main questions I had, but do you have anything else that maybe I like just don't realize I should be asking or anything that you want to convey to owners that maybe I missed? I think that's pretty good. You know, I think that, you know, everybody has to just remember that, you know, the process is individual. You know, I always try to stress that to most of people, you know, and you just got to like stay true to it because the, it'll happen, but it's just not always like it's going to happen in a month or it's going to happen in two months. But if you kind of believe in it and stay true to it, it's amazing what, you know, the body itself really is doing to heal itself when we're just giving it the tools to do it. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy, so I am so happy that you're able to hop on a call today. Absolutely. Anytime, for sure. And let's definitely stay in touch, too, about maybe doing some kind of clinic or something together. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm totally on board, so we'll have to work awesome. that out. <laughs> Sounds so good. Thanks All right. so much. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person, and chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too, so we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.